chapter 21, First Chronicles 21. And if you don't know where Chronicles is, find someone that does and have them help you get there. First Chronicles chapter 21, and I'm going to ask you to stand with me for a little bit. First Chronicles 21. Maybe some of you have read your Bible and you know what's in Chronicles and you've wondered, can there be anything good that comes out of Chronicles? And I, I hope to, to prove to you this morning that yes, there can be. Uh, it's not just a list of names and things like that. There's a lot more uh, in those passages that you might miss out on if you don't read them. Uh, so I encourage you to read your whole Bible, even the parts that you don't want to, all right? First uh, Chronicles 21, uh, look if you would at verse number 16. David lifted up his eyes and saw the angel of the Lord stand between the earth and the heaven, having a, a drawn sword in his hand stretched out over Jerusalem. Then David and the elders of Israel, who were clothed in sackcloth, fell upon their faces. And David said unto God, Is it not, the, is it not I that commanded the people to be numbered? Even I it is that have sinned and done evil indeed. But as for these sheep, what have they done? Let thine hand, I pray thee, O Lord my God, be on me and on my father's house, but not on thy people that they should be plagued. Then the angel of the Lord commanded Gad to say to David that David should go up and set up an altar unto the Lord in the threshing floor of Ornan the Jebusite. And David went up at the saying of Gad, which he spake in the name of the Lord. And Ornan turned back and saw the angel and his four sons with him hid themselves now, Ornan was threshing wheat. Just, just, just give me some history. Here's a guy working his property, and he knows there's trouble in Jerusalem. He's doing his own thing. And then David shows up, and this guy pays attention to that. Look, if you would, at verse 21. And as David came to Ornan, Ornan looked in, saw David, and went out of the threshing floor and bowed himself to David with his face to the ground. For those that don't know, David is the king. That's why this man bows to him. Then David said to Ornan, grant me the place of this threshing floor that I may build an altar therein unto the Lord. Thou shalt grant it me for the what? And the plague may be stayed from the people. And Ornan said unto David, Take it to thee, and let my lord the king do that which is good in his eyes. Lo, I give thee the oxen also for burnt offerings, and the threshing instruments for wood, and the wheat for the, the meat offering. I give it what? All. All right. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I, this is how you know David was not a Baptist, amen? He, he passed up on a discount, right? Look, look at verse 24. And King David said to Ornan, Nay, but I will verily buy it for thee, what are the next two words? For I will not take that which is thine for the Lord, nor offer burnt offerings without cost. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Brother Joe, if you'd ask God's blessing on the word. Yes. Amen. Be seated if you would. One of the best prayers I've heard before a service in a long time. He said, Lord, for the next hour or whatnot. <laughs> Fill in the blank on that one. Uh, but I, I want to point out to you, let me, let me throw out this question as we start looking at this text. Um, don't you think most people, when they're bragging about what they bought, don't they normally brag about the discount they got it for? Yeah. I, I know some ladies are like, oh my goodness, yeah, these are designer shoes in my designer bag. It was 25% off. And I love when my wife's like, honey, it's 30% off only today. I'm like, baby, they run that sale every day. But it's 30% off. Yeah, but 30% off a thousand bucks is still 700 bucks. 
I, I mean, but you know, we do that. Like, we like to brag about the discount that we can get. No one really walks around and goes, hey, see that tree? Bought it full price. Right. <laughs> I mean, we don't usually do that. We don't really brag about the deal that we got or that my great negotiation skills, you know. Here's this car. I mean, car, bu- car buying, uh, purchasing cars used to be a lot different in the 90s. You walk in a car lot, anybody know what I'm talking about? And right away they come out, and all of a sudden you're getting ready for the negotiation. They took all the fun away. We don't know haggle prices. I want to haggle. Why did you take the, no- the haggling away? I want to haggle. I want to get it. That's how we are normally wired. Rarely do we walk into a room and go, I paid full price for it. Look at me. And yet here in the passage, David has an opportunity to get a piece of property for free. And this man, Ornan, is basically offering him this property. And by the way, Ornan is a Jebusite. If you don't know what that means, here's basically how it goes. In the Old Testament, God dealt with Israel, his nation, and then there's everybody else. All right? And Israel, oftentimes, the people of God are at least a good picture of the New Testament believer or the church. And then there's everyone else. It would be kind of be a picture of the lost world. And so here's Ornan, an outsider, not necessarily a, an Israelite. And David the king comes in and says, man, God told me to build an altar, and I've got to do this. Things are a mess right now. And the angel of, uh, of the Lord is passing over, and 70,000 people have already died. I've got to get going on this project. How much does it cost? Ornan goes, oh, oh, for you, king, it's free. And David goes, there's no way I'm going to accept that. I want to pay full price. And you go, what's the big deal? Why does that matter in my life? Well, let me just put it to you this way. David's a great picture of you as a believer. And, and you know what David did? David kind of caused a mess. He, he went and numbered the people. I'm going to all the history of that. But because of that, God was judging David. And God says, look, David, you pick one of these three punishments. David picks one of, the, one of those three punishments. And it's from the hand of the Lord directly that there would be a plague that would curse the people. 70,000 people had died because of what David did. So David is going, what? Lord, this is my fault. It's not the sheep's fault. God, let me fix this. And so God goes, David, if you want to fix this, start with building an altar. Now you go, what is it? how does that apply to my life? Can we agree about this much? The world is a mess today. Can I get a witness? And if you don't believe that, then leave your keys in your car at night in, in Denver or Aurora. And we'll pray for you, okay? Right? Yeah, look, the world is a mess today. Look, they're trying to teach our kids that, man, listen, you can, if you think you're a dog, you're a dog. Sorry, you're not a dog. But the world is an absolute, look, men are women, women are men, everything's just upside down. And if you think I'm being judgmental, I'm not. Once you get the idea that you can do or become, let me ask you a question. If you actually believe that you're a man and you can become a woman by thinking that you're a woman, let me ask you a question. How old are you, Javen? 17. Why aren't you 60? Do you, do you want to be 60? Okay. Would you like to be 21? Is there an age you'd like to be? What, what, what is that age? Okay, 21. Not because you can drink, right? Okay. All right. Just checking. All right. So, but, but you, but, but, but by saying you're 21, are you 21? No. Fair. That's fair. I appreciate the logical sequence there. But by saying that you want to be 21, you, he could say, I'm 21. That doesn't make him 21. Do you understand? Well, what, 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 what are you trying to say? What I'm trying to say is this. We live in a, a day and age of no absolutes. Just believe whatever you want. You say, who's behind that? The Bible says God is not the author of confusion. I said, no, the devil's behind that. You look at marriages, they're falling apart. Families are falling apart. People are losing their minds. Anxiety written, mental health illness all over the place. What in the world is going on? I'll tell you what's going on. The world's going to hell in a handbasket. And here's what we have to understand. It's easy for us to go, man, what a mess that is. You know where you need to start? Looking in the mirror. You know what the Bible says? Judgment must begin at the house of God. You can look around the world and say, man, what a mess it is. And David can look around and go, man, things are a mess right now. But you know what David had to do? David had to go, Lord, what can I do? What is my part to bring back some sense of your involvement in this world? You know what God says? I want you to build an altar. Now, we don't like altars. You know why? Because when you build an altar, the obvious conclusion, the next step is that something's going to die. And sometimes what has to die is your own ambition, your own plans for the future, your own desires. 
I'd rather say this, Lord, uh, can, can I just, uh, listen, isn't salvation free? Aren't you glad salvation is free? <laughs> salvation did not cause, and if you're here and you've never been born again, can I say this right now? You are missing out on the greatest experience of all of life. This is how you get connected to a living and personal God that wants to know you and have fellowship with you. And by the way, he knows you already. He knows your thoughts and your down, uh, uh, when you sit down, when you rise up, he knows what's going on here and what's going on here. The problem is you don't yet know him. And that's what you need in your life. You know what you're missing on? You're missing on the greatest experience. It's called being born again. And you know what that's going to cost you? Absolutely nothing. Because God wants to give that to you as a gift. And I want you to get this, and this is not a, 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 a gotcha moment or anything like that. Once you're saved, you can never lose your salvation. Isn't that awesome? It costs you nothing. You don't have to join a church. You don't have to get baptized. You don't have to be religious. It's, a, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship with God and that relationship being restored because sin got between you and God and a loving God loved you enough to send his son to die in your place on that cross. And it cost him everything. And it cost you nothing. When I was in high school, we learned this principle called Tan Staffel. You ever heard of Tan Staffel? Probably because they don't teach it anymore. Here's what it used to mean. There ain't no such thing as a free lunch. Oh, yeah, my kids go to school and they get free lunches. No, someone's paying for that. Oh, no, the government's paying for it. The government has no money. <laughs> They're in like $17 trillion in debt. They get money from you. Someone's paying for it. Look, when you look at something and go, oh, it's free, know this. Someone has paid for you to enjoy that free experience. When you look at salvation, the Lord Jesus Christ paid everything so you could enjoy the experience of being born again, so you can enjoy knowing God, so you can enjoy knowing your sins are forgiven. They are under the blood of Jesus Christ. You have a new life in Christ, and it didn't cost you anything. Thank God for that. Amen. He did it all for you. And that's what salvation is all about. If you're not saved, get saved today. We'd love to open a Bible and show you how you can be saved. But can I say this? Once you become a born-again believer, you've got a choice in regards to whether or not you want to live out the Christian life. The Bible says over there in the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 11, the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. Now, the, the, you have to understand, the disciples were first called Christians. In other words, someone that was disciplined to follow their master, that's what a disciple is, they were called Christians. Can I say this? Salvation is free. Discipleship comes at a cost. And, and we can look at how bad the world is and, and notice how, how evil the world is and go, man, it is a mess out there. The question is, what are you willing to do to remedy any of what's going on out there? Well, I, well, preacher, I think a lot of Christians are we Christians. We should do this. We should start a new ministry. I think we should raise money. I think, what, what do you mean? Who's this we we're always talking about? You mean you? Should you? I, well, so, I, I've, never, I've had this happen a million times. It happens at work. It happens in my family. Ha, you know, my family goes, we should do this. I'm like, are you going to pay for it? Uh, uh, it's only $1,000. Do you have $1,000? Do you, Dad? That's not the question. <laughs> you know, this we stuff. What, what about me, I? What, what do I go? Hey, well, this is something that I can do. The Lord shed his blood for my sins. He died an agonizing death. He became sin for me so that I could become his righteousness. He gave up everything. The Bible says he was found in the form of a servant. He humbled himself and became obedient to the death of the cross. He did all of that for me, and I get that for free. I get connected to the one true living God, and it costs me nothing. And then he says, okay, but I want you to follow me. Well, Lord, does that cost something? The Bible says, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt have lost its savor, where shall it be salted? It is therefore good for nothing to be, but to be cast out and be trodden underfoot of men. Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in the house. So let your light so shine before men, that they may see your good works and glorify your Father, which is in heaven. I'll say it like this. Nature abhors a vacuum. When there is no light present, darkness fills that void. 
If you want to know what the, the reason why the world's such a mess, I'll tell you where we need to start looking at. It's not in the Democrat Party or the Republican Party or the Libertarian Party. Any politician or, you know, Uncle Joe or, or you know, Trump needs to go to jail or Joe Biden needs to go to jail. I, I know right now, if I got on politics, somebody go, amen, glory to God, you get him. Talk about you living a Christian life. It's like, well, I'll get to it eventually. Yeah, that's where we're at. You know why? You spend more time on Twitter than in your Bible. That's why. You know what you need? You need to look in the mirror and go, hey, the reason the world is like that is not just because, oh, because back in 1964, this happened, and this happened over here. And no, no, no. Here's what happened. Christians quit being light and salt. And you know what happens whenever that salty light is gone? You got sweet darkness in its place. And everyone's going to hell, and they don't even realize it. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, The Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, who wants to follow Jesus in 2023? If I said, listen, repeat this prayer and God will give you millions of dollars and a Rolls Royce. And if, if you just forward this to 10 friends on Facebook, God will bless your life. You have Christian suckers doing that. And then when you come to church and go, who wants, who wants to follow Jesus Christ? Like, well, I think I know where this is going. So I'm going to kind of put my hand here and hope that God understands. I want to, but I hope it doesn't cost me anything. Here's what he says. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. I want to make this very clear. If you're lost and you've never been saved before, you need to understand. You may go, well, I don't want to do that. If you're not saved yet, you don't need to worry about that. You need to worry about getting saved. <laughs> That's the first step. It's like a monopoly. You don't pass go. You don't collect $200. If you're not saved, that is step number one. But if you are saved, man, what are you doing with your life? What are you willing to pay to show this world that your faith is genuine and that it's real and it's not just a Sunday morning thing? David says, I'll pay the full price. I'll pay the full price. What'd you pay for salvation? Nothing. Jesus paid everything. Longfellow, the great poet, could take a worthless sheet of paper and write a poem on it and make it worth 6,000 bucks. They call it genius. Rockefeller could sign his name to a piece of paper and make it worth a million bucks. They call that capital. Uncle Sam can take gold, stamp an eagle on it, and make it worth 20 bucks, which will buy you a carton of eggs in 2023. <laughs> they call that money. A mechanic can take material that's worth five bucks and make it worth 500. They call that skill. An artist can take a 50-cent piece of canvas, paint a picture on it, Make it worth a thousand, they call it art. God can take a sinful life, wash it in the blood of Christ, put his spirit in it, and make it a blessing to all humanity. That's called salvation. Amen. See, what does it cost you? Nothing at all. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. Amen. For by grace you say through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should. You've got a great gift living inside of you if you're saved. Amen. Christ in you, the hope of glory. But can I remind you that what's free to you is paid for by somebody else? And, and can I remind you that the reason that you're here right now, if you're saved, is because someone brought you to church, someone invited you, someone gave you a gospel track. I love hearing the story about how Felix gives a gospel track to Ben, and, and he's looking through there, and he, he learns about what, what the Bible says about hell, and how the Bible says you don't have to go there, and how a loving God died for you, and it got the wheels turning in Ben's mind. You are here because somebody was willing to pay a price so you could hear the gospel and get saved. Now the question is, is it your turn? When will you say, it's my turn to pay something, not to buy salvation, but to pay for the way for someone else to have the opportunity that I've been given? Amen. They have these things in, in business uh, called, uh, you know, giving back. I want to give back. You know, you make all this money. That's a big thing now. It's corporate philanthropy. And so people post on Facebook and on LinkedIn. Here's what our company's doing for charity. Here's what we're giving away. We're giving back. We're giving. Listen, if you're saved, you ought to learn to give back in a little bit. And I'll just mean money. I mean, man, just your life your time, your mind, your desires. At what point do you go, look at what I've been given. I owe a debt, not for the salvation of my soul, but I owe a debt to other people. Paul says, I'm a debtor. 
When everything was a mess, you know what God said to them? Build an altar. You know what he tells Noah? Build an altar. You know what he tells Abraham? Build an altar. He tells Joshua, build an altar. He tells Jacob, build an altar. He tells David the same thing. But can I say this? Sometimes you have to build an altar in a place where it's going to cost you something. Okay, not a trick question. Who wants a bigger building? Who wants a building for free that's bigger? (laughs) Who thinks we're smoking crack if we expect that? Okay, all right. So do you understand sometimes you got to pay for things? Let me ask you a question. I, this has nothing to do with the message, but I feel like the Spirit of God has done, done leading me in that direction. There's some Southern for you, Miss Cindy. All right. Let me ask you, when you go out to eat, are you always the one that expects someone else to pay? <laughs> it got real quiet and real awkward really fast. Preacher, get back to the Bible. I will in a moment. But I've noticed there's just two kinds of people that come to a church function. Those that stay long enough to see that there's any leftovers so they can take them home, and those that stay to help and clean up. Amen. <laughs> that one got awkward too, didn't it? <laughs> yeah. You see, was it? Some are going, ah, oh, someone else will pay for it, and some are thinking, I need to. Amen. Which mentality do you have? When you look around and see, man, we really should, I love when we really should do something about that. Yes, we should. What are you willing to pay to make it happen? And I'm not talking about money. If money's the thing that's in your head, you're hearing something that I'm not saying. Okay? It is time for some of God's people to quit being spiritual trunfuss babies. You know what I'm talking about? A couple years ago, Paris Hilton was all over the news, you know, making a mess of the Hilton name. Why? Because when you're born into millions or billions, you tend to take it for granted. Let me ask you a question. What did you do to be born again? You did nothing but accept a free gift. So on day one, you're already a spiritual trunfuss baby. You know you have to learn to do? Say, okay, God, it's time for me to grow up a little bit. Now I want to pay back. Let me tell you something. Not one time has Olivia asked me or my wife, are you guys tired? If you want to take the night off, I'll just sleep a little bit longer. <laughs> not one time, and I don't expect her to. I, I, listen, it's not until they get much older that they start going, Mom and Dad, you look like you're 70. Would you like me to hold the baby for you? Right? That's <laughs> what so happens. You sleep, sleep deprivation, you know? You got the bags, you know? And, 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 and so, so that baby does not one time, not one time has she said, you know what? You guys, just take the night off. Don't worry about it. Listen, when they're two and three, listen, at night when she's screaming at the top of her lungs because it's been two hours and 31 minutes instead of two hours and 30 minutes since she's been fed. You know what? There are times where I go, oh, my goodness, Lord, is this ever going to end? Then you have an 18-year-old, you know. No, it actually doesn't. (laughs) I'm kidding. It does. For any new parents, it does get better. <laughs> it absolutely does. All right? But can I say this? When I pick her up and I look in her eyes, I don't question one time. Amen. I don't. It's just, it's just like automatic. Walk, now listen, walking from the bed to her crib, I don't always think holy thoughts. <laughs> Being real with you right now. There are words that come to mind that I should not think or say. And I walk, but then I pick her up and I look at her. I mean, you know, I think it's worth it. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you. Do you look at the cost of being a real, full-price Christian and think to yourself, it's worth it? I want to give you a couple things to think about this morning about full-price Christianity. Number one, full-price Christianity takes ownership takes ownership. If you look at verses 16 through 18, you know what David does? David looks around and realizes, you know what? I've got a part here. There's something that I should do. And he listens to the counsel of the Lord. But you know what David does not do? David does not look around and go, all right, guys, we need to fix this. David does not look around and go, you know what? It's the politicians. That's who messed everything up. You know what it is? It's the school system. That's why everything's a mess. You know what David does? David simply goes, it's me that can do something I will now act. He takes ownership. We live in a society that does not want to take ownership of anything anymore. Brother Jose our, our, uh, Granados was telling me the other day he was called to a house where a 12-year-old son stabbed his 18-year-old brother. And when he got there, the, the man, the dad, comes over and goes, uh, we've called 
you guys before for our kids. And it had to go this far before you take one of them away. And Brother Jose's like, what did you want us to do with your kid? Dad, look in the mirror and take ownership of that. I've heard some people go, I just can't make friends. I don't know, quit being a jerk. Take ownership. Maybe you're not friendly. I, you show picture. You're supposed to be nicer than that. I'm trying to be real with you this morning. You go, my marriage isn't where it ought to be. Take ownership of that. My kids aren't responding to authority the right way. Take ownership of that. I've got a problem with the brother in Christ. Take ownership of that. The world is a mess and going to hell in a handbasket and everything's burning around me. Do something. <laughs> Take ownership. What can you do? Well, I can't do everything, preacher. Fine. But what can Quit being a victim. And start realizing you've got a part. You can do something here. You know what's wrong with our society? We praise victimhood. Nothing enables people to do evil as much as does a sense of victimhood. I read this. We must stop this incessant victimhood mentality. Somebody else will not fix things. Somebody else will not make me healthy. Somebody else will not make me happy. These things are my responsibility, not my neighbors, not the government's, not even my churches. They're mine. <laughs> I read this. When your victimhood is your empowerment, recovery is the enemy. And working on individual change becomes counterproductive, even dangerous to your identity because your identity is, I, can, I couldn't, there's no choice. Look, if someone comes to my house, pulls a gun on me, they're probably going to get shot, but let's just put that aside. They pull a gun on me and say, give me what you got, and I'm threatened at that moment. I'm a victim in that moment. It doesn't mean for the rest of my life that I have to be a victim. Do you understand? The, the idea is this. You need to quit saying, well, I have no choice. You've got a choice in every aspect of your life, including how far you go as a believer. Well, you don't know what some Christian did to me. I don't know that, but I know what your sins did to Jesus Christ. Well, there's hypocrites in the church, and there's hypocrites at Walmart and at the bank and at school and at the job and everywhere else. Amen and amen and amen. Well, you don't know how they hurt me. Well, maybe they did hurt you. I'm sorry for that. I uh, sincerely and genuinely mean that. I don't want people to get hurt at church. But guess what? Just because that happens doesn't mean you got to quit being a Christian. At some point, you take ownership and go, Lord, it's nobody else's fault and it's nobody else's responsibility. What? I want to look in the mirror and know, Lord, what, what should I do? What should I do? I, I appreciate, and I don't want to embarrass people, but I appreciate, Brother Caleb, you know, we talked to... About just different opportunities, and he said, "Preacher, what do you think about a three-on-three basketball thing? We could use it as a means of an evangelistic opportunity for our church." Amen. <laughs> Praise God. I didn't go to him and go, "We have to do this three-on-three." Ba-. I look, look. The reality is, when we do it, I'm going to break Lenny's ankle. Okay. <laughs> All right. But but until then, I just want you to understand. I didn't make Brother Caleb do that. He just said, I can do that. I can put, I can organize. I can help. You know what that is? Hey, let's take ownership. <laughs> what can I do, Lord? What is my part? You know what David does in verse 16? He lifts up his eyes. In verse 21, David came. In verse 22, David speaks to Ornan the Jebusite. You say, why? Because he understood that God was trying to get a hold of him and say, look, you've got a responsibility to build something for me, and it's going to cost you something. Altars are not built for free. They take effort. They don't just show up. You know why some Christians don't have a better prayer life? Because it takes time. You know why some of you don't get in your Bible every day and you're not getting as much out of it like you could? Because it takes time and effort. But you know what the latest TikTok trend is, don't you? Or if you're older, 45, you've been on Facebook all week. Can I, can I just kind of hit everybody at one time? You, you understand what I'm saying? It takes effort and ownership. And as long as you sit back and go, well, someone else will do it. I can't. I have no, you know, I, 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 I'm just not capable. I'm not the one. David just goes, all right, this is me. I'm taking ownership. I'm going to build this altar. Can I show you something else? Look at verse 22. Look at the end of that verse. Do you know why David says, thou shalt grant it me for the full price? You know what a colon in your English language does? When you see a colon in your King James Bible, know that the following phrase is about to explain why the last phrase was mentioned. You know why David is willing to pay full price? Because he's thinking about other people. Amen. Do you realize what is missing? You know why I think a lot of, Christian, a lot of Christians are discount Christians. You know why? 
Because they will be willing to pay as long as it doesn't have to inconvenience them for the sake of other people. I don't want to have to go out of my way. I don't want to do. I don't want to have to think about. Man, my Christian life. I've got liberty in Christ. I love when someone says that. Think, think about what Paul writes, guys. Paul talks about this. You know what he says? He says this. He says, "Conscience, not thine own, but of the other." He says this. Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Can I ask you a question? Where does your Christianity cost you something for the sake of other people? Well, I've got liberty in Christ. I could do what I want. Have you ever stopped and thought, what if, what, how does this affect how I'm living? How does it affect another person in Christ? Amen. You know one of the most selfish things you can do? I don't, look, I don't care what you think about this. I don't care what you say about it when you leave here. One of the most selfish things you could do is get out of church because all you're thinking about is you. You don't think about how it affects other people. And they go, well, where's so-and-so? I-, I thought this was real to them. If it's not real to them, maybe it doesn't need to be real to me. Do you ever stop and think about what you do in your life, how it affects other Christians? Amen. Because if you don't think about it, you know what your problem is? You're selfish. And you're a spiritual trust fund baby, and you're just thinking about yourself, and you're not thinking about how what I'm doing affects my children and my spouse and my church. At least say, what is that? Not just thinking about me. I'm thinking about these poor sheep. You know, David says, Lord, Lord, what about these sheep? They didn't do wrong. I, I'm the one. Lord, what can I do to help them? So he goes to Ornan. Ornan goes, I'll give it to you for free. He goes, no, no, I want to pay full price. Why? Because I know this. Others have been hurt already. I want to do my part to help others instead of hurt them. Quick question. Who here has been hurt by other people? Amen. Come on, don't, don't lay out. Raise your hand. You know the next question that's about to drop in your lap. <laughs> Who here has hurt other people? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to make up for some of that? Yeah. Wouldn't you like to redeem some of your life as you go into this next year and go, God, I'm tired of being the sideline Christian that goes, someone else would do it. I can't. I don't want to. It's not worth it. Sometime I, I want to look around in my life and go, you know what? I did what I did to help somebody else. Or I did not do what I want to do. I didn't say what I want to say for the sake of somebody else. You say, why? Because it's not just about me. Paul says it like this. The thing that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. You know what your life should be about at some point as a Christian? Others. Full price Christianity takes ownership. You know what else it does? It considers other people. Who is your example in the Christian life? It ought to be Jesus Christ. Amen. Come with me to the book of Acts. Look at Acts chapter 10. We'll come back to Chronicles in a moment. As you turn to Acts chapter 10, remember that Jesus says in John 10, Other sheep I have which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. Do you know who you are? You're the others. <laughs> You are, we are the other sheep. You know what the Lord was thinking about the whole time he was here? Others, 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 others. Not just, man, I haven't slept well. Uh, you know, the son of man hath not where to lay his head. My life is hard. I don't want to preach to these people. Don't they know I'm going without sleep? I'm hungry. I fasted for 40 days. Don't they care about that? He thought about ministering to other people. Isn't that how you should be living your life? You know, I think we got this. I, I really do. I call it, maybe there's a better term for it, Catholic hangover. You know what Catholic hangover is? Some of you Baptists have Catholic hangover. You know what it is? Oh, well, uh, uh, Pastor Adrian's like the priest, and he does the holy stuff. And then we just, like, live our lives doing our own thing. That ain't Bible. You're the priesthood. The Bible calls you to be a royal priesthood, a holy nation, offering up spiritual sacrifices under your God. And at some point in your priesthood, in your ministry, you have to learn to think about other people. When you go, I just don't feel like coming to church, think about other people. I don't feel like reading my Bible, think about other people. I don't feel like giving, think about other people. I don't, you know what, I'm going to do this, I don't care what the preachers, I don't care what the Bible says, I want to do what I want to do, and it's going to be my choice, my body, my choice, whatever you want to say about that, and it's going to be all about me, fine. But don't forget, you are going to affect other people. Acts chapter 10, here's our example. Look at verse number 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. Well, you got the Holy Ghost and power. What do you do with it? 
Look what he says. Who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. And we are witnesses of all things which he did both in the land of the Jews and in Jerusalem who they slew and hanged on a tree. You know what that shows you? The reason that you're even here right now and you're a witness of his grace and his power is because when he was here, all he thought about was others. At some point as a believer, listen to me, I don't go to Olivia and go, it's time for you to start carrying your load. After breakfast, when the kids are wiping and sweeping, and the kids know dad's kind of type A about the kitchen, we got to have it clean, you know. And, and so that's, I got it from my dad and probably from his dad and whatever. And, and so use this cleaner for the countertops, this cleaner for the oven or the stovetop, this thing for over here, wash the dishes this way, load them in the dishwasher this way. I mean, sometimes it looks like a blind, you know, pirate was already, you know, putting stuff in the dishwasher. The cups don't go on the bottom, they go on the top, man. Right. Right. Amen. Right. Amen. Amen. All right, it, it, there's an order all that. Anyways, that, I, I digress. The point is, when I get in there and we're cleaning, I've not one time looked at Olivia and go, huh. <laughs> your turn, kid. I don't make her go out in the cold weather and collect the eggs. <laughs> I do that to my, sl- I mean, my children, my <laughs> older children. <laughs> They're like, now we know why you adopted boys. Ah, <laughs> Free labor, man. (laughs) I don't do that with her because she's not ready for it. But at some point, at some point, Christian, you got to grow up. You don't drink milk forever. You don't cry at 2 a.m. forever. You don't, you grow. And one of the signs of growth is thinking about other people. When you come to church, does it ever cross your mind? I don't care if you're Alex's age or if you're Tim's age or my age or Brother Chad's. It doesn't matter how old you are, what stage of life. You should not just come to church and just think about you. And you shouldn't be living your life as a Christian all week long. When those musicians come and they play, I know them. I don't, I, I don't talk to them every week about every special that they sing, but I know this much. They're praying about it, and they're not just saying, we hope we sound good. They're saying, man, Lord, we want you to use it and be a blessing and minister to your church. That's the right approach. You were the other that someone considered one day. You're now in the other spot. Consider them. Let's go back to our text. Let's go back to it. First Chronicles 21. Full price Christianity takes ownership. It considers others. Thirdly, it's not about taking shortcuts. Young man, listen very carefully. Easy money ain't. Okay, all right. In other words, uh, someone says, you know, you ever watch those those uh, things that show up on social media and on YouTube? You know, uh, I left my nine to five job and now I'm making six figures, and the guy's like got a Lamborghini behind him, you know, and he's doing that. Yeah, because suckers watch his video. That's how he made his money, and you're the sucker. <laughs> Don't be that. Listen, what I've learned in life is the shortcuts aren't always the quickest way to get somewhere. And even if they are in the moment, you pay for it eventually. (laughs) You know what David says in verse number 23 and in verse number 24? He says, nay, in verse 24, but I will verily buy it for the full price. David had an out. David had a shortcut. Here, I'll give it to you for free. And David didn't take it. You know, David said, I want to do this the right way. I read this. There are no shortcuts to any place worth going. There's no shortcut to heaven. You go through Jesus Christ or you don't go. And the Christian life is no different. I had someone recently reach out to me that's in college. They go, "Uh, preacher, I I got this way or this way. I could go with this. And you know what my answer was to him? Don't take the shortcut. I can't tell you what God wants. I know this much. If your motive is, can I get out of the hard thing? You're doing the wrong thing. Judas had a shortcut to the money. How'd that work out for him? David had a shortcut to Bathsheba. How'd it work out? Peter had a shortcut to the fish in John 21. You know what he had to do? He had to get right with God. Amnon had a shortcut to his sister Tamar. How'd that work out? Shortcuts are not God's way. You know what God says? I know you can get somewhere faster and cheaper. Look, there's a reason why first class on an international flight 
is something that you envy. You ever seen those things? They got like the pods. You can like lie down and have a, Joe's like, oh yeah. (laughs) You didn't get to go to Malawi like that, did you? Wouldn't that be an oxymoron? I'm going to a third world country to give the gospel and I'm going first class, baby. (laughs) But you walk on those planes and you see that. Can, Can I say this? There's a reason why you envy first class because it costs something to sit in first class. Here's the problem with Christians today. They want to sit in first class but not pay for the upgrade. Are you saved? Do you want to be a follower of Christ? It will cost you something, and you need to understand this. You're going to find throughout your life as a Christian, there are shortcuts all the way. You're going to find, well, I don't have to mention Jesus at a family gathering. Because then it just makes it weird and shortcut. Oh, look, I'm not talking about you going in there and you go, all right, I'm going to pray for the food. God, please pray. Lord, I pray right now for every sinner that doesn't know. God, would you save their burning soul that's going to go to... I don't, you don't be a jerk for Jesus. All right? But you also don't have to take the shortcut. I, I got this job or this job. Well, which one allows you to be in church? Don't take the shortcut. I've got this opportunity or th- I got this relationship or, or don't take the shortcut. You know, you tell young people all the time, you know why fornication is so damning for young people? It's a shortcut. Don't look at me because I said what I just said. Some of you listen to me here way worse on TV and on YouTube and everywhere else. I said what I said. For, it's a biblical word and a phrase. It's damning because it teaches them you can enjoy whatever you want with no responsibility. And it comes at a cost. You know, you know when I, we went to the mall the other day with the kids, I just wanted them to get out of the house, and it was kind of cold, and so I said, come on, let's go, let's go walk around a little bit, get some coffee, I mean, I, I go for coffee, they do for other things, and so we're going, and, and, and we noticed it was a Friday, and the mall was just eerily quiet, Park Meadows Mall, weren't many people there, you know, it dawned on me, you know why there's not a lot of people there, because a lot of people spent money they didn't have in December, and they're paying for it now. You're going to pay one way or another. That's right. You know what some Christians pay with? Their health. That's right. For how they live. You know what some Christians pay with? Their conscience for how they live. That's right. You know how some Christians pay with how they live in their life? Their relationships. Yep. You're not going to get out of this scot-free. You're going to pay something to someone. The question is, are you willing to pay the full price to the Lord and say, God, Lord, I, I am tired of taking shortcuts in my life. Look, look I, listen, in, in a recruiting and staffing business that I'm in, I see resumes all the time. Someone's at a job for six months. Why'd you leave there? Boss is an idiot. Okay, next job. The people around me, the, they just didn't know what they were doing. Okay, how about this one? They offered me a dollar more. Okay, how about this one? I got 50 cents more. And, and listen, you've worked 10 jobs in three months. I don't know why nobody wants to hire me because you keep trying to take the shortcut. Maybe every once in a while, stay put and do the hard thing. Get up when your alarm clock goes off and read your Bible. And when, the, when it's time for church and you don't want to be there, don't take the shortcut. Don't just watch it online when you can be there. If you're a grown man and you got two hands and two legs, you're going to stand at the judgment seat of Christ next to some old widow woman in India without all that stuff who served God with everything she had and you're going to have a lot to give account for. Stinking American Christians, I can just watch it online. It's not the same, and you know it. You know why you do that? You're taking a shortcut. Keep taking a shortcut your whole life. You know what you find out? You get to the end of it, and you pay more for all those shortcuts that you took. You, you dads want to take shortcuts with your kids and not be there for them? You'll pay for it. You know how you pay for that in society? Jails, mental rehab facilities. Why? Dad's taking shortcuts. You know what you see all around? We see the world is uh, offering things that really are they're just an illusion of what is real. And it, it says you can take the shortcut and be happy. You won't be happy when you take it. Amen. Do you know why David didn't take the shortcut? Look back, if you would, at verse 16. Who did David see when he lifted up his eyes? He saw God. You know why he didn't take a shortcut? Because he realized God was there. You know how a lot of Christians take shortcuts? Because they just act like God's not even there. I'll be honest with you. 
I've had people tell me, if you preach the way you preach, no one's going to want to come to your church. And I get it. What they mean is people who would rather have their ears tickled won't come. And I get it. Yeah. And I'm going to be honest with you. I've sat where you've sat. I don't like someone telling me anything. I've been there, in fact, I'm like, who does that guy think he is? <laughs> telling me I need to get right with God. You know, who's that guy telling me I need to pay full price? I don't, you know, was he paying full price? I'm going to check his account. Is he? I, But you know what would be really easy for me to do? Avoid a lot of subjects that I know are tough for people to hear. Right. Take a shortcut. I was at Chick-fil-A. Praise the Lord. Amen. Amen. <laughs> Just stop right there. I was at Chick-fil-A about 10 or so years ago. And I sat in the booth right next to uh, a guy who had started his church literally the same year we did. And their church was like, I don't know, running 500 or something. And it was a big thing. And it was a new thing. And I remember sitting myself and thinking, Lord, I could do that. I want to do that. I want to take the shortcut. You see why? I listened to the conversation. Not one time they mentioned Bible, God, discipleship salvation, souls. You know what it's about? Getting people and, and the number of growth and who's giving and how much. And Guess what? That church ain't around anymore. I'm not beating my chest saying, oh, look, that's not, if you, that's when you get out of this, you're getting the wrong moral of the story. The moral of the story is shortcuts aren't always the best way. Full price Christianity understands that the price matches the value. You say, what do you mean by that? Oh, that the Lord is worthy. Over there in Revelation 5, John, as the old southern preachers used to say, the revelator. John is up there, and he's seeing everything that's going on. He, the Bible says he's caught up, and he's taken up there. He hears come up hither, and he goes up, and the, the voice that spoke with him was the voice of a trumpet talking with me, and he's carried up to the third heaven where God's presence is at, and he shows him things which must be hereafter. And then Revelation 5 is like this parenthetical chapter in there where he's not talking about the tribulation, not talking about the rapture, not talking about the day of the Lord, just about some things that are going on in heaven. And one of the things that goes on there is there's this book with seals on it, and the Bible says that John looked around because because no one was worthy to open the book and to unseal that book so that we could understand what that book was actually saying to us. But all of a sudden, someone screamed out, hey, wait a minute, uh, we found someone that can open it up. And they point to Jesus Christ and say, guess what? The Lamb, He is worthy. <laughs> Thou art worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for Thou hast created all things. He's the one that's worthy. You know why David paid the full price? Because he looked up to God and said, God, it's not just about people. God, you're worth paying full price for. Amen. You know what some of you are to the Lord? You kind of treat them like a cheap date. Yeah. Hey, whoa, easy, easy. All right, if your wife says, let's go out to a nice place, you go, oh, how much you got to a real nice place? And you take her out in a limo, and you guys pull up to the McDonald's drive-thru. <laughs> I don't think your wife's going to appreciate that. She might expect something else. Because you said we're going to go somewhere nice. All right? Now, look, if you're, if you're like some couples, you know, McDonald's without the kids might just be everything you need, right? Amen? Just some quiet time, right? But, but you understand the illustration. You love your wife, and so every once in a while, taking her to a nice place, getting dressed up. Well, I just don't know why she, she knows what I look like. She hasn't seen you look nice since you got married. Put on a shirt and tie, do something nicer. Take her out, you know, make her feel special. And when you do that, you are going to say to her, babe, you're worth it. Amen. My girls turned 15 years old. You can laugh at this. You don't have to do this. This is not something you have to do. But, you know, like in my culture, there's the quinceanera, right? And that's supposed to be like the big coming out of age thing, you know, and you're now a woman. She ain't a woman yet. Dude. <laughs> No, I mean, she's becoming one, but to tell a 15-year-old you're a woman now is kind of, I don't know, a little much. Anyways, see, this is where, uh, uh, hold on, this is where Bible crosses culture. My culture says this, what does the Bible say? Now, I'm not saying quinceaneras are bad. That's not my point. The point, bear with me. When my girls turn 15, I take them out to a nice restaurant, and I give them a ring, and I say, hey, now, you are worth waiting for. Do not give yourself to a man that does not respect you. Do not throw yourself at men. 
they will not respect that. Do not waste your time with a man that will not come to the proper channels to talk to you. Amen. You know what I'm telling my daughters? You're worth it. Amen. It costs me something to do that. You know who the most expensive date? I'm not trying to pick on her. Bella, it's the most expensive date. <laughs> if I take Ariana out here and say, oh, Dad, I don't know. I'll just get this. This is the cheapest item on the menu. Bella's like, mm. So for appetizers, we're going to have this and this and this. <laughs> and uh, I know the dessert's 50 bucks, but what do you think? Oh, okay, all right. I'll never forget when Ariana was 15, I, I took her to some restaurant, I can't remember what it is right now off the top of my head, and I gave her a little, a little ring, you know, and I said, hey, I want you to keep yourself pure until the Lord brings the right man in your life, you know, and all that kind of stuff, and, and I'm, I showed her the ring, and she starts crying, and I must have looked younger then than I do now, because the lady walks by and goes, oh, congratulations, you two, I'm like, oh, <laughs> special moment, yes, the one you're thinking of, no, <laughs> you know, why, why do I do that as a dad, I want them to know they're worth it. But it costs something. But to me, they're worth it. Amen. You want to follow God? Yes! Amen. Oft times the day seems long, our trials hard to bear. We're tempted to complain, to murmur and despair. But Christ will soon appear to catch his bride away, all tears forever over in God's eternal day. Amen. At times the sky seems dark with not a ray of light. We're tossed and driven on, no human help in sight. But there is one in heaven who knows our deepest care. Let Jesus solve your problems, just go to him in prayer. Life's day will soon be o'er, all storms forever past. We'll cross the great divide, a glory safe at last. We'll share the joys of heaven, a harp, a home, a crown. The tempter will be banished, we'll lay our burdens down. You know how that chorus goes? It will be worth it all. Amen. The price of rejection from your family is worth it. Amen. Well, they, they, they have these parties, and I, I say, I, I don't want to go because there's this and that going on there, and I want my kids around that, and I don't want to be around that. I'm a Christian now. You think you're better than us? No, nope, I don't. I don't think I'm better than you. Matter of fact, I think I'm just as sinful as you are, so much so that I can't be around that. But you know, what that's, you know what that really is? That's the Holy Spirit of God trying to convict them about sin in their life and their need for a Savior, and they don't know how to deal with it. And you know what happens when you give in because you don't want to pay the price, and you just go, I'll just go along with it. It's family. Number one, you're a big, fat hypocrite to your kids. And number two, number two, you know what you're saying to your family? You're just, everything I was saying before, it doesn't matter. Giving him our time is worth it. Can I say this? His church is worth it. The Lord, the Lord left us churches. He left us a local church for a reason. You know, he says, this is worth it to me. I, 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 I know that the Lord did not just die for New Heights Baptist Church. He died for the body of Christ at large. I understand that. But at the same time, the Bible says this is the pillar and ground of the truth. You know what this matter, this, matter, this right here matters to God. Is this worth it to you? Is getting up on Sunday and driving to church, is it worth it? Getting up on Wednesday night? Well, my kids got school in the morning. Well, okay, I, I get that. You know what? We'll do the best we can, but I'll tell you this right now. They will form bonds that you will not regret in Discovery Bi- in Discipleship Bible Club. Sorry, it's still hard to get the right name. DBC, I'll just call it DBC. In DBC and in Sunday school that you will be happy. When the kids go to summer camp and they form bonds with each other and with kids from other churches, that will be something that will be a blessing to your life as a parent if you stick with it. Is it worth it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Souls are worth it. He's worth it. Look, if you would, at verse number 26 in our passage. David built there an altar unto the Lord and offered burnt offerings and peace offerings and called upon the Lord. I like the next few words. And he answered him. Don't you like it when God answers? You You know what this shows me? This shows me that full-price Christianity gets God's attention. 
you know, over there, you know the story in First Kings 18, Elijah's there and uh, squaring off with the prophets of Baal, and the prophets of Baal are cutting themselves, and the blood's gushing out, and they're crying out to their God, and their God doesn't listen. And so Elijah goes, hey, maybe your God's taking the nap. Maybe he's on vacation. Maybe your God's got PTO. I, maybe it's PTSD. I don't know. But your God ain't showing up. And he has a really good time with that. With the, you know why? Because their God would not answer them because their God wasn't real. Your God is. And he wants to show up and he wants to answer you. But can I just say this? The Lord shows up when he knows that your desire is to build something for him. And David wanted to build that altar for the Lord and make things right. And you know what God did? God answered him from heaven. I hear a lot from CNN and from Fox News and Twitter and here and there and this person's opinion. Every once in a while, I just like to hear from the Lord. I like heaven opening up and God just kind of dipping down and speaking to me directly. Aren't you glad when you're just by yourself at your home and you're reading your Bible and God does that with you? Amen. Aren't you glad when you're at church and you've been struggling with something? Go, God, I'm going to give it up. I'm tired of fighting on that. Lord, this is yours. It's absolutely not mine anymore. I want to yield that. Lord, I want to be a full price Christian. And then God just speaks to you like he hasn't spoken in a long time. And God shows up. It is supernatural. Amen. It's amazing. It's awesome. And you know, you know what David gets to experience? David gets to experience God saying, hey, this is what I want you to do. And then David following through and going, you know what? I will pay the full price. I will do what is asked of me. I will do what is hard. I will not take the shortcut. I will think of others. I will think that my God is worthy. I'll pay the price. And then God says, I'm, I'm here, son. I'm watching. You know, your God is not unrighteous to forget your labor of love. Look at verse number seven. You know how the story starts? It starts with David doing something that God did not care for a whole lot. Look at verse seven. Doesn't I say in verse seven, God was displeased with this thing? <laughs> it's not about what David did. How do you go in one chapter of your life, the same chapter, in displeasing God to God showing up and going, hey, you know how you do it? You go, you know what? I'm willing to pay the price. Some of you have had some chapter. You're in a chapter of your life where you've maybe done some things that haven't exactly pleased God. He's not done with you. Right. <laughs> he wants to show up in your life right. if you're willing to follow, if you're willing to pay the price. I'm not talking about salvation. That's free. I, I'm talking about God showing up in your life in a way that you know, Lord, thank you for being present. I'm not going to go into all the story, all the details, but recently I told some of the guys this. Lord, if you want us to move forward with certain things as a church, would you make it evident to me? And the Lord has shown up so many times as I'm reading my Bible. Amen. And I'm going, thank you, Lord. That's good. I need that. Amen. And you know what that does for me? That, that, that shows me this whole Christian life thing, it's real. Amen. But you got to be willing to invest. They say out in the world, success is never owned, it's rented, and the rent is due every day. I would say that that's kind of a Christian principle because Jesus Christ says, whoever wants to follow me, take up your cross. Amy Carmichael, the great missionary, wrote this. Hast thou no scar, no hidden scar on foot or side or hand? I hear thee sung as mighty in the land. I hear them hail thy bright ascendant star. Hast thou no scar? In other words, you're following Jesus Christ. I don't, I, don't see any, I don't see any scars on you. You know what Paul says? I bear in my body the marks of the Lord Jesus. Hast thou no wound? Yet I was wounded by the archer spent. Leaned me against the tree to die. This is Jesus Christ speaking and rent. By ravening beasts that compass me I swooned. Hast thou no wound? No wound, no scar? Yet as the master shall the servant be and pierced are the feet that follow me. But thine are whole. Can he have followed far? who has no wound or scar. At night, sometimes, when we finally get Olivia to sleep, I'll just look at her. And I'll just watch her do this when we're sleeping. <laughs> you know? We got, we got, my wife, like, hooked her up with all the, the hippie, you know, like, bohemian like bamboo sheets and bamboo everything and we found this like cool blanket thing and it looks like a cocoon you stick her in honestly it looks like a straight jacket for babies you know at some point in the future we'll probably call it torture for now it's okay and we put her in this thing you know and and 
And she can't move most of her body, but she'll go. And every once in a while, she'll just kind of open her eyes. And I'll just watch sometimes. I, my wife was convinced we needed to buy one of those baby monitors. And I said, just something feels wrong. It feels like Big Brother watching you. I don't want that. And now I walk around with that thing all the time. <laughs> and I just look at her. And you know what I think to myself? Every sleepless night, every blowout diaper, every, yeah, oh, glory. Every, every, every moment where we're like, we're going to do this thing, we had to cancel our plans or change our plans. Or every time we roll in here at 10 o'clock on the dot on Sunday morning because we haven't really got our life together quite yet, I look at her and I go, you're worth it. Amen. And I think God looks at his children the same way. My question to you is, do you look at him that way as well? Or is it too much for you? Too inconvenient? Too costly? I'd rather have this relationship than my relationship with God. I saw no scar, no wound. I, I don't know about you. I want God's attention. Amen. There's two ways to get your parents' attention. Behave well, or be a little heathen. And some of you are on either side of those, depending on what day of the week it is. You know what I want to hear him say? Well done. Let's all stand. Father, we come in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you for time and your word. God, as we enter this new year, God, I pray your people would be convicted and convinced that it's time to build an altar, it's time to quit playing games, it's time to get serious. Lord, the, the time is short. The time is short. And Lord, whether it's short because of our lifespan or short because you're coming back, Lord, either way, time is short. And God, I just pray that you would speak to us as a church and as individuals. Lord, it Show us the, the pri anything that we could pay is <laughs> trivial compared to what you paid. Lord, would you help us to, whatever's standing in the way, that's it, Lord. Whatever's standing in the way of being a full price Christian and a discount Christian, would you uh, illuminate your people and reveal that to us and show us whatever that thing is, whatever those relationships, whatever those things are, will we be willing to pay that price? Because you're worth it. You know, I'm convinced some Christians are saved and, man, that's about it. They're not interested in building an altar. They're not interested in... You know what the, you know what's easy to do? Complain about how messed up the world is. You know what's hard to do? Do something about it. You know what's easy to do? Point out what the church could do better. You know what's hard to do? Be a part of it. Can, can I say this? It doesn't matter whether you've been saved a, a week or 25 years. God wants to use you. And it starts with you building an altar. Saying, Lord, my life is yours. This is yours. And if it costs something, I'm willing to pay. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. I don't know that anyone here is lost. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, I would just ask this question. If you're here and you're not sure of your salvation, you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, can I encourage you to consider what He did for your soul? How He died for you? He loved you by expressing that? He expressed His love by giving of Himself? And whether you ever follow Him, that's a daily choice. That's up to you. But, but this is an eternal choice. And it costs you nothing. And you can receive that gift by faith. And if you're here 
and you're not sure about your salvation, I, I, I beg you before you leave this place, please see me. Love to open a Bible and show you how you can know that you're saved. You that are saved, can I ask you? This week, forget, you know, what am I going to pay with my life? No, 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 this week. What are you willing to do? Go, Lord, I'm going I'm to up the ante here a little bit. I'm going to give you this. I've held on to this for a while, and I just, I kind of like it. I don't want to let it go. But, Lord, I want to be a full-price Christian. Tired of taking the cheap way out. I think sometimes the world needs to see that we're, this matters to us, that, that we're willing to pay something for it. It has an impact. And I'm pretty confident of this. The Lord's watching. And He wants to get our attention. He wants, to, he, he wants, he wants you to know that He's watching. <laughs> he wants you to know He's involved. He's a personal Father. And there's no way to follow Him. No way to do it without paying something. Thank you for being here today. Appreciate it. And I uh, pray that the Lord spoke to you. And I know sometimes some of the things that are said are kind of hard to hear. Um, I want you to know a couple things. As a pastor, I love my church. Um, I come from a little bit of a sports background, and if you got a good coach, they kind of push you. They don't, they don't drive you in the ground. They don't want to break you completely, they, but they want you to go. You don't realize your own limits. You don't realize how far you could go for the Lord. You know what my job is to go, hey, you can go further. I, I, I want, when you get to the judgment seat of Christ, I want you to have some rewards. And I want you to go, man, that guy seemed like a jerk sometimes, but if it wasn't for some of the things that he said, that's what I hope. I do. I, I hope that. I pray for that. Uh, and I pray that the Word of God makes a difference in your life this week. So thank you for being here today. Discipleship class will start. Uh, uh, probably wait until after lunch. So just have some fellowship time for now. Uh, and Lord willing, we'll see you Wednesday night. We are going to wrap up our study on uh, music and worship and all that. We're going to start a new study on where the Bible comes from, all right? Those of you that want to know where your Bible comes from and why do we believe the Bible and all that kind of stuff, talk about inspiration, preservation. Um, There's some things that sometimes, I've, I've talked to some of you guys who go witness to people at work, like Richard will text me at 2 a.m. I love you, Richard. Amen. <laughs> Pastor, I was at this party and this guy was talking about this weird thing. I'm like, oh, okay. Uh, and, and if you're out there witnessing the people, all right, uh, you're going to have people that go, oh, the Bible isn't authentic because of this. You can't trust the Bible because of it. So we're going to start a series on that. Uh, but we encourage you to be here Wednesday, 6 o'clock for the young people. That's college and career and youth. And then 7 o'clock for everybody else, including DBC. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. And uh, again, thank you for being here today. Brother Eric Alcorn, if you would uh, close us out in a word of prayer, sir.